Welcome back to Hug Your People. This is Kevin. Today I want to talk about a few things, and this is gonna, the recording of this is going to span over a few days. But um, the first thing I want to really talk about is things don't go away. And then the second thing I want to talk about is waiting. And then we're going to talk about some results that we're getting from some scans. So thank you for coming to episode five of Hug Your People. Enjoy. Thank you for coming back and joining us. Um, I'm in my office today, so the audio quality may be a little better than what you're, you're accustomed to. I hope it doesn't throw you off, but I promise we'll get back to, uh, we're going back to Charleston tonight to um, get some tests run tomorrow, uh, MRI and a PET scan and a CT scan um, to kind of give us an update on Baxley and the tumor size and whether the chemotherapy is working or not. Um, we believe that it is, so all, all good there. But um, really diving into um, this not going away is the first topic I want to talk about. And this, this came to my kind of, I lived in New York City during 9-11 and um, lived at first and first. So it was lower Manhattan, but not, um, not down Wall Street area. Um, and one of the things that I noticed about that time was that 9-11 was bad for everybody. For the people that lived in New York, I think it was especially bad because it just never went away. Um, you could, you know, my, my family in North Carolina, they could turn the TV off and, and kind of go and get some normalcy, um, to a degree. But really when you look at living in New York city at that time, I lived at first and first and I worked at 72nd and third. Um, and so it was a train ride or a bus ride. And for the next three months after 9-11, you know, I had to show my ID twice to get below 14th street, um, to prove that I lived there. You could smell the burning for months and months after. And so, well, for most of us, it, it was something that was terrible and, and tragic. But for the those of us that lived in New York City, it just never went away. It was a 24-7 reminder of, of what was going on in the world we lived in. And that became incredibly challenging. And over time, you know, started to wear on us, as I'm sure it did everyone. And it's not that one is better and one is worse. It's just that we, we get so in tune to, uh, and it even comes down to seeing like seeing war in foreign lands, um, you know, and, and because it, we see it on the news and we, we're, we, we feel sad and we feel mad and we, we get really sympathetic and then we turn the news off and we carry on and we go cook out and go to happy hour or go play with our kids or, or go on date night or whatever it is. And we, we just lose that, that reminder that that was there and that's how it should be because God forbid, you know, I don't want anyone to walk through this world constantly feeling like they have to remember all the bad things or feel all the bad things like that's not what this is about at all but what what it comes from is making our story public um has brought some comments and which we expected uh, and people coming from a good place but delivering in a less than ideal manner um and, and so you know asking how things are that all, all that's great but what you have to understand is you know cancer never goes away for us it is constantly in our house it's constantly in every decision we make cancer is a part of it and can my son play outside can he have friends over um, why doesn't he like pizza anymore you know cancer is always part of our life and it's part of everything we do and it's exhausting um, for the most part it can be and so when there are a few facebook posts that i've gotten and it's you know how how is your son and it's like depending on the day, you know, my initial response is, well, he has cancer, <laughs> you know, and so he's as good as he can be in, in each moment. 
and he laughs a lot and, and trust me we are so very blessed that we're getting the treatment we're getting and, and having the things in our life that we have but I, I think it's really easy to forget that we're just beginning a very long battle and it's a very nerve-wracking battle and it's a very life-changing battle and so you know asking how how is my son today I, I it's coming from a great place it really is um, but it doesn't change the fact that it's still hard, you know, and it, it takes me back to the 9-11 analogy, you know, after, a year after 9-11, I was driving across country and I was in Oklahoma and it was, it was 9-11 and there was very little mention of it, very little, um, you know, very little acknowledgement of it, you know, it was acknowledged, but not to the degree that it was being acknowledged in New York, obviously. And I think it's just because people were able to carry on. And I, I think on one hand, that made me sad. On the other hand, I was relieved. I was like, people should be carrying on. They should not be focusing on this incredible negative thing that's happened. Um, and I agree. I think if you're listening to this, you shouldn't be dwelling on um, any negative thing that's happened to someone else or, or, or any, any negative thing for that matter. But I think what we, what we try, the purpose of this and the purpose of the work I do and, and the, the dad I am and the husband I'm trying to be and, and everything is to have an understanding. And I think the understanding I've gained from this is that when, when a kid gets cancer, it just doesn't go away ever for the parents. And that's the, um, that's the part of it that really has hit home with me is that it's always there. It's always part of the decision. It's always part of, um, of life. You know, and sometimes it's it's easy to deal with, and sometimes it's incredibly hard to deal with. Um, doesn't change the fact that easy or hard, it is it, it has changed life completely. And so I think that's really what it boils down to, as far as what we do and the decisions we make and how we show up for other people is just having an incredible understanding of what they're going through. You know, and um, if we try to do that, I think more that we understand people and the more that we can see, okay, you know, Kevin's tired today. Why? It's probably for good reason, <laughs> you know, or, or maybe Kevin's a little punchy today and it's probably for good reason. Um, and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But understanding that, you know, when, when the question of how are you today, uh, it really should be how are you right now? Because how I was when I started my day could be very different than how I am right now because of the things going on in my life. So I, th I think understanding that and, and having sympathy towards that uh, is one thing, but not over, not, don't overdo it. Like, you know, I don't want anyone to sit and experience the kind of things that I experience. And Sarah Hambrick and I were talking about that um, back and forth a little bit. It's like, on the one hand, I'm glad to know I'm not alone. On the other hand, I wish I were completely alone in knowing what this is like. Because if I were alone, it means just one kid would be going through it and one set of parents would be going through it. But I'm not. They're... they're hundreds of thousands of parents and kids going through what we're going through, if not more. And so looking at that really just kind of made sense of this never stops. It doesn't. And you have to be really in tune with fighting the fight for the long haul, not just winning today, but winning the week and winning the month and then winning the year, ultimately winning the, the battle altogether. And, and so that I think that's kind of what um, I think needs to be conveyed more uh, through these documentaries and through the, the, the shows and the, the education and even this podcast, I think just acknowledging the fact that for some people, this just doesn't go away. Um, 
And if it does, it doesn't always mean that it goes away in a good way. And so it's a constant reminder, a constant battle, constant struggle, if you will, to create any remote micro sense of normalcy um, in, in your day. Recently, the way I've started doing that is redoing our flower beds at home. And I, didn't, I took on the project um, not to finish it in one day. I took on the project so that I would have something to do for five minutes if I needed it. Go out and dig in the dirt for a little while. And I'm totally not that guy. Like I'm not a green thumb at all. I like growing my own vegetables and stuff. But So that became a way that I kind of created normalcy that I could get a break from something that's just a constant part of our life. So I hope that helps you understand You know that if, if you know someone going through some stuff, it doesn't have to be as serious as cancer. It can be something... Uh, even smaller, a career change or, or a divorce, or um, maybe they've lost a friend, or maybe they're relocating. You know, the, the, the worry and the stress and the things that come up is a constant effort to keep it at bay and that it just never goes away. So, the purpose of, of this podcast really was to um, we're about to go in for our nine week. Um, set of scans that will tell us how well the chemotherapy is working and how um, if the tumor shrinking and just all the all the things that you can't know by looking at my son's face and so um, that brought up this idea of what's the worst part and the waiting is by far the worst part for us um, and, and it can be waiting on this level but really it started when we first were airlifted and, and then we had to wait a week seven days seven eight days for diagnosis even though there was significant indication as to what this what we were dealing with. Um, the official diagnosis didn't come for seven days, and, and the waiting was just, it was a roller coaster. Um, moments where you're just really believe that this is nothing and this is a dream and that you're just going to go home and it's going to be fine. And then moments of you really need to come to terms with reality. And, um, and then moments of, you know, doing what we do is think the worst, worst case scenario things. So the waiting became very excruciating for us. It also made me realize that luckily my son's four years old and... So the language that we were using around the, the bed, the hospital bed, wasn't, it didn't create that much stress or tension for him. He just knew he didn't like what was going on in that moment. Um, and then the next moment he would color and he would be having the time of his life. And so it was really, if, if I were laying in the bed knowing what was coming, the week would have been excruciating. Um, while it was hard on him, it wasn't as bad had he had known sort of the gravity of what we were talking about. But the waiting really becomes something of, of a challenge and even when we got home and we had to we had to catheter my son uh, every three to four hours you know you would do the procedure and then you spent a lot of time just waiting for the next time you had to do that and it really could debilitate you from being productive or being present or being um, in the moment uh, because you were just waiting for the next time you had to do this incredibly unpleasant thing and we had a very unique experience with that as it wasn't always smooth and we, it wasn't always pain-free and it was a challenge. And so it really was a disruption for everybody in my family to, to have to go through the catheter experience um, regardless of actual pain levels. So I think the, the waiting has definitely been a challenge. We're about to go into another period of waiting where we get our scans done. Um, I'm talking, I'm recording this. It's a Tuesday afternoon. Tomorrow's Wednesday at 10 o'clock. We go in for our next set of scans. Um, we'll spend the night tonight, the night tomorrow night. Um, Thursday of this week, we have our next set of chemo. Thursday, we should know some answers from the scans, but we won't really know the whole picture, I imagine, for a little while. Um, 
a few days. So that waiting, and obviously this this round, you know, we've been doing this. This is the nine week mark, so we've been doing this for nine weeks, um, nine weeks of uh, chemo that is, and we're just anxious to see kind of the progress we've made, and then. I don't know. I don't know what decisions will need to be made around that. You know, I've never done this before. And part of me is really optimistic and, and, and most of me is really optimistic and all the signs are indicating that we've made progress and that everything, the tumor is shrinking and his kidney functions are back up and he's, he's using the rest of the bathroom on his own. And there's a lot of indications that it's, it's positive, whatever's going on inside his body, but we just can't know until we get these scans. And so we kind of have to go down and get them done and, and then wait and get the results and then make decisions based on those results. And that's what we have. So when people ask like, what's the hardest part? Obviously your son being in pain and, and, or, you know, doing things he doesn't like to do. That's a hard part, but really the, the waiting um, becomes hard, you know, and every Thursday we, we wake up at five and we leave my house at 6am and we get to the hospital around 8:30 and we, um, for our nine o'clock appointment and we register at nine then we have to do blood work and then we have to wait for that blood work to come back to tell us whether we can do chemo then they have to create the chemo for my son because they make it every, each day they make it based on your weight and your vitals um, and the blood work that comes back so every Thursday we have to do all that and and we ended up waiting waiting quite a bit so we, waking up at six and not really getting into the reason you you're doing all that until probably noon or one, um, and then being done with that around three or four and heading back home um, creates a long day of hurry up and wait. <laughs> um, but all necessary, you know, we're not going to not do that. You know, we're obviously going to go through whatever we need to go through, but those moments of waiting tend to be the, um, the hardest. They are getting a little easier when it's for something as far as just waiting for the procedure of the doctors. But when it's something like this that we're about to go through, as far as waiting for the results, I imagine that uh, there will be a little more, um, I'll have a little more anxious tendencies because this is such a big deal because this will determine what our next, if we continue, um, if we stay the course or if we look for other options or if we, um, you know, who, who knows? I'm not really sure what it's going to bring, but nine weeks in and we're going to get a full set of scans and we'll know, have a better idea of what, uh, the tumor's doing and how effective the chemotherapy is and how effective everything that we're doing at home is and whether we can completely stop using the catheter or if we have to continue with that on a, on a part-time basis um, really is and just waiting on those answers that that can be uh, a challenge where we just try to stay distracted with things like creating a garden or working in the flower beds or cooking or you know watching movies or whatever that looks like so Luckily for Bax, he's four, and so he thinks we're just going to spend the night in a hotel and go to the doctor. And he doesn't—he's not a fan of the doc, going to the doctor, but he understands that it makes him—it fights the bad guys, and that's what we're fully concerned with now: is fighting the bad guys. So the next the next part of this podcast will be actually recorded um, two days from now um, in Charleston after we've gotten the test. We probably won't have gotten the results, but we will have gotten the test, and we'll be in our next round of chemo and I want to record it from there because I want to just kind of bookend this this episode with on the other side of waiting or in the middle of waiting probably more than likely it'll be in the middle of waiting and kind of get a sense of how I feel right now I feel good because we're just packing I'm finishing up my work day and we're gonna gonna head down but I really want to 
see how I feel while we're waiting on this, these results. And hopefully I have some good news for you. I think I will. And um, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days in the next segment. So I left you on Tuesday. It's Wednesday now. It's about 4.30. No, it's about 5.30 in the afternoon. We um, went to the hospital this morning for our PET scan, our CT scan, and our MRI. Basically what we're doing is trying to check the status of uh, or the effectiveness of the chemotherapy and um, just see what size, how big the tumor is now. Um, we don't really know what to expect. A lot of signs are indicating that it has gotten smaller, which is great, but we don't really know what to expect. So um, Baxley went in for anesthesia because you have to sit there very still for a couple hours and he's four. So that's <laughs> sitting still is a challenge. Um, but he came out of anesthesia the best he's ever come out of anesthesia. Normally he's pretty cranky and angry, rightfully so. And um, today was pretty smooth. It was really, um, he just eased out of it, came back to the Ronald McDonald house um, where we are now and took a little nap and drank some Gatorade. And um, now we just finished playing on the playground and we ordered a pizza um, so that he can eat because when he's coming into these things, he can't eat um, the night before or leading into it. So that's kind of what, what our day looks like here. We'll spend the night in the Ronald McDonald house tonight. And then at 9 a.m. tomorrow, we go in for our clinical chemotherapy treatment, which is our normal weekly treatment. Every Thursday, we are um, in Charleston either for um, a, the day or sometimes we stay two nights and sometimes we stay five nights so this week we happen to be in Charleston for two nights for the scans and the chemotherapy next week we'll be in Charleston for five nights so um, really when you look at you know we talked about it never leaving you know uh, cancer never leaving um, never going away and it's always just part of your decisions in your daily life the waiting is the hardest part you know so we're in a moment of waiting now where we had the scans done and now we have to wait on the results and um, it just brings a lot of emotion because what you want more than anything is for that tumor to be shrinking and for things to be getting better and you know my wife and I were sitting at lunch while Baxley was um, getting his scans and we just got really emotional like you know talking about what if it what if it's not smaller you know um, we're still very early in, in our in our battle. You know, we're only on week nine of 67, so we're still early in the game. So it's not if, if it hasn't gotten smaller, it's not. You know, it doesn't mean we're out of the fight. It's certainly by no means. I mean, we're going to go to all ends of the earth regardless of what um, happens. But we just kind of have grown into the spot of we have to prepare ourselves for that kind of thing. And sometimes you have to pivot and adjust and. Um, amend the treatment and things like that. We are optimistic that the tumor has gotten smaller. Um, all indications kind of lead us to that, that conclusion. But what we want to also be very aware of is that sometimes things don't go your way. So, so as we're at lunch talking about it, she and I both got a little emotional around possibilities and um, good and bad. So, uh, and you know, I, I came, I want to just address the fact that the wind's blowing and I came back outside to record this because, you know, as I've said before, that's kind of, that's life. You know, I'm here in Charleston at Ronald McDonald House and 
we're kind of trying to play outside, and I, I was able to sneak away for a minute um, to to talk a little bit about it because I just felt some things that wanted to wanted to say. So that's that's the the real moment to moment. You know, it, it's really you're happy one minute, you're sad the next minute. You're trying to control your emotions. You're trying to uh, be optimistic, be positive, say prayers, you know, and really leaning on faith and leaning on the doctors and leaning on your strength. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I've learned despite medical expertise and despite um, despite experience, you know, Suzanne and I have really, we've had to learn to fight for what we feel is right, no matter who we're talking to, be it a, a well-vetted, you know, well-experienced, well-educated surgeon uh, in oncology, or be it, you know, a family friend who has the best advice for us. We've had to really take it on ourselves to, um, to be the best and biggest advocate for Baxley. And if we don't get the answer we think we should get, we keep digging and we keep fighting and we keep going. And as a parent, that's exhausting. Um, doesn't mean you stop because we don't, but it is, it is exhausting. And so that's kind of when we come to Charleston, that's kind of what happens is we have to make decisions constantly about what's right for Baxley and what's right for our family and um, processing, processing information is, that's the name of the game, you know, and we've been watching a lot of documentaries, talking to a lot of people and um, really looking at how we're going to navigate the next step. So where we are now is we're, tomorrow we go into chemotherapy and we wait for test results. We should get some back tomorrow, um, or at least some idea back tomorrow. And then, um, then we'll know kind of what we're dealing with. And so I'll update you on that. So that has been Hug Your People for this week. Next week, I'll talk about the trucks tattoo. I'll talk about uh, the results from all the tests that we've had going on. And I'll talk about just kind of where we are and what our plan is. And um, we'll be five days in Charleston next week. So next week's podcast should be a little longer. But you guys know what to do. I appreciate you being here. I'd love it if you subscribe. And I'd love it if you'd leave a review. And I'd love it if you'd share it with people who may need to hear some of what we're talking about. Go hug your people.